Welcome to America As I See It, the podcast that discusses the biggest issues within our political landscape. I'm Scott Fuller, and today I'm going to be finishing up on the discussion we started last week on defunding the police. All right, let's jump right back into this. Um, Before I get started, I want to make a correction. Uh, Last week, when I had talked about the distance that is a danger zone for police officers, I had said seven feet. I meant to say seven yards. So actually within 21 feet, if a suspect gets within that distance of a police officer, uh, that suspect can inflict serious damage and death to an officer. So I want to get that put out there before I went any further. So let's summarize with what we talked about last week. Uh, we talked about the debunking the the um, theory that the police departments in the United States are systemically racist. I think we've shown that last week with the statistics that just don't bear that that out. Um, and, you know, one other thing I wanted to add, but, you know, when you talk about encounters with police officers on a daily basis, you're talking about 150,000 encounters a day or more that the police encounter civilians, which comes out to approximately 62 million encounters a year. So when you look at 62 million encounters where a police officer is having some kind of interaction with a a civilian, it, and you only have the very minimal number of questionable or even legitimate and justified shootings in this country, it's when you compare that number to 62 million, it's really kind of minimal. So what else did we talk about? And we talked about how the media has perpetrated this this false narrative for years they have they have perpetrated this uh, now you're getting into the the democrat leadership of this country is has also jumped on that bandwagon and you know when we asked the question or I asked the question last week why would anybody want to do this you know I told you their reasoning was because they th- said that police departments are systemically racist in this country. Well, anybody that we know that now, but you can look at the numbers. You can look at the, if you want to get a better uh, grip on this, go and Google or what I do is duck, duck, go and punch in uniform crime report. And that'll give you a clear, very detailed picture of what I talked about last week as far as the number of violent crimes that are committed in this country are overwhelmingly committed by black suspects. 
which in turn will explain why you have a higher percentage of black suspects being fatally shot by police officers yearly. So that's really the, the problem. You know, so if <clears throat> you want to talk about what we need to do and how to stop this, there, there are a few reasons uh, and a few things I have in mind. Number one, we have a bigger problem than this false narrative of uh, systemic racism within the police departments. Why is the, the number of violent crimes so high by black suspects? I have a theory. My theory is for years and years and years, the Democrats have always used minorities as a political pawn. And that's, that's really a shame. It really is. They're not trying to fix the problem. They are trying to sustain it. Because if you really wanted to uplift the minority communities, you would provide them alternatives. The Democrats haven't done that. Their idea of fixing the issues is continuing to have minorities depend on the government. Well, that's just an invitation to continue the same constant cycle year, generation after generation. And what President Trump did, and I'm not going to, this podcast isn't going to harp on President Trump. Uh, I'll do that on another day and and talk about his accomplishments and what he did for this country on a later podcast. But just a snapshot, he had the right idea. He, He did not look at minorities as victims. He looked at them as Americans. So what he did, he provided opportunities for minorities to lift themselves up out of this cycle of government dependency. Because he didn't want to use minorities as a political tool. He treated Americans, all Americans, equally. That is not what the Democrats do. They can continuously throw this rhetoric out there that the Minorities are victims and that they've been oppressed and that, you know, you see it with the critical race theory and all these programs being put out there that that label minorities, especially black uh, communities, as victims. I I think that personally, that's insulting to me. Um, You looked at affirmative action. um, What does that tell, you know, people that minorities aren't capable of competing with everyone else? And so you have to give them a, an advantage. Well, that's insulting and it's degrading. I don't believe that. I believe we treat everyone equally. 
I don't care what color skin you are, where you come from. If you're more qualified and have more experience and you're better fit for a position, then you deserve to get that position regardless of color. color. So how does this play into the defunding the police? Well, because all of these things, when you talk about division and dividing a country, what's the best way to, to accomplish that? I mean, let's, let's be clear. Does anyone really believe that Americans are going to go along with shutting down all of our police departments? Of course not. And the Democrats know that as well. But it gives them a platform to stand on and to drive a wedge between the black community and the white community. It, it pits them against one another. They want to cause the minorities, in my opinion, the black communities, more harm than good. They are teaching them and, and, and really kind of encouraging them to hate the police. But they're the enemy. And when you talk that rhetoric over and over and over again, and you hear it on the mainstream media, you hear it from political leaders, they're going to believe that the police are their enemies. And that causes shootings. It causes fatalities when that, you know, black suspects are, are told not to comply. Don't listen to the police. You know, all of that is causing division within this country. Because we know, I mean, you, again, look, look at the statistics. It is, it doesn't bear out that uh, more black suspects uh, are shot more than white suspects. And, and when there is a disparity in the numbers, you can look at, again, the number of violent crimes. And then they throw this, you know, critical race theory in there that tells uh, everyone that all white people are oppressors and all black people are the oppressed and victims. It's that constant narrative of victimization, which I think is is very degrading and hurtful to minority communities. But to me, that's what this is all about. Dividing our country, creating chaos, pitting us against one another. And for what, what's, what's the outcome of that? Well, unfortunately, it's political power. They want to keep this country divided so that they can come in and be the savior. We're your savior. We're going to, we're going to save you from the mean, you know, conservative ways who are racist. And, and it just isn't true. I mean, it's easy to say. I can get up there and say all, all kinds of things all day long, but if they're not true, they don't have any merit. 
So that's that's the problem with with what's going on with defunding the police. You know, they know that's not going to happen. But they want to stir the pot. They, they want to throw that out there to put this country in a panic and to cause, you know, anger between they want to throw all these examples out there that they, they throw out there so that it angers people. And look at George Floyd. George Floyd was, it was a tragic, his death was tragic and, and it was unnecessary. I think we've all, we've all agree on that. It should not have happened. But then they treat George Floyd as a hero. I mean, is that what you want your kids to look up to? Is this man who was a career criminal? I mean, he is not, he's, is anything but a hero. Yes, he shouldn't have been killed, but a lot of people shouldn't be killed. Uh, you know, there's things that happen all the time, but we don't praise them as heroes when they're not heroes. I've, I've had these conversations with friends of mine who are Democrats and they jump up and down and they get aggravated with me because they say, we're just as patriotic as you. I, and I have no doubt about that. But unfortunately, when you are siding and voting for people who are anti-police, anti-American, this is what you get this type of chaos throughout this country. So when we tie that into the defunding of the police, you know, you hear about reform and, you know, now they're, instead of defunding, they're, they're, they're twisting the, the narrative now to, well, we didn't really mean defund because they're seeing, as we talked last week, the uptick in, in crime is astronomical. So clearly they know that, and, and you look at the polls and, you know, the biggest concern of most Americans and today is the, the criminal element out there, and the, the crime wave that's sweeping this country. So it's kind of difficult for Democrats now to stay focused or, you know, stay on track with this defund the police because clearly it doesn't work. So now they're saying, well, we didn't really mean, you know, defund the police. We, we kind of mean, you know, let's, let's help them with these counselors and these, all these other, you know, social workers to come out with them. Well, that's, again, that's just another um, crazy idea. I mean, I'm not saying that the police couldn't use counselors and they couldn't use social workers. We do. We do that now. It, it, that's nothing new. That's not really reform. Um, like I said, I, I worked as a police officer and I worked family unit crimes. Um, I dealt with counselors and CPS workers, child protective service. Um, I worked with, you know, the uh, DHHR, Department of Health and Human Resources. All these people, they're all, they were all available to our police department. So this idea of, of using counselors and, and psychologists and all that, it's not new. That's nothing new. That's nothing we aren't doing already. 
So now to take them on calls with us? No. First of all, you know, you don't want the liability of bringing an unarmed, untrained person to a scene when you don't know what the outcome is going to be. You don't know what the situation is. And it just puts you as a police officer in more danger because not only now are you having to worry about yourself at this call, now you're having to worry about this civilian counselor you got with you as well. So it's, that's a crazy idea. Yes, we do need to use them, and I think we do. But let's talk real reform. Real reform starts with, number one, respecting police officers for what they do and understanding the skill set that they bring to the table. People, many people, really don't realize what it takes to be a good police officer. And that is skill sets that most people don't have. You have to be able to make split-second decisions. You have to be able to use a firearm. You have to be physically capable of defending yourself if it becomes hand-to-hand. You have to be brave enough and smart enough to know, to go in these situations where you don't know what the outcome will be. There's not too many people that possess all of these traits to be a police officer. But the way you get these people and keep these people is that you pay them for these skill sets. You know, we, for so long in this country, we have minimized the importance of police officers. And it's really created a lot of problems in in this country. If we prioritized the security of our communities as much as we prioritize athletes and musicians and actors, we could have amazing, unbelievable police departments and police officers. We do already. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, you know, in the past when you were a police officer, you didn't really care about the money as much because you did it because it was a respectable job. People respected you. You felt good about what you were doing. Um, you felt a sense of pride because people appreciated you. Well, unfortunately, that's not the case now. Now, every time you put that uniform on and you walk out the door to go to work, you're a target. You're a target for the criminals out there. You're a target for your leaders who, if you happen to make a mistake or what's perceived to be a mistake, in many cases, especially in these Democrat-led cities, they're going to throw you under the bus. And not only you know, are you going to lose your job, 
but there are, you could possibly go to jail. That's the difference between serving now and serving years ago. So if you really want to start to re reform our police departments, pay them what they're worth. Increase their salary, increase their benefits, increase their life insurance policies. If you do that, then you are going to get much more skilled officers to apply for these openings. You know, to give you an example, when I applied to be a police officer back in 1990, I actually was in, in 89, I believe, when I applied, there were over, I think there was close to 800 applicants, and we were going to hire seven people, I believe. So out of 800 applicants, we hired seven people. That gave a lot of choice to the department of who they were going to choose to be there, uh, be on their department. Well, now from the same department I worked with, you might have, you're, you're, you're very fortunate if you can get a hundred people to show up uh, to apply for these jobs. And that just, you know, goes to show you don't have the, the uh, same amount of people the same desire to be a police officer anymore than you did in the past. And it's because of the way they're being treated there. You know, we have to learn as a society, the importance of our law enforcement officers in this country and respect them and appreciate what they do and quit every time a police officer makes a mistake. Yes. When a police officer makes mistakes, it can become deadly. And it's unfortunate, but that happens. That is part of life. It happens to doctors. It happens to mechanics. It happens to teachers. It just, you know, just happens to be more pr uh, pronounced when it's a police officer because you, it, it can involve people losing their lives. But to attack them and continually condemn those people who give us so much every single day is turning away so many good people that otherwise would serve their communities. So, you know, I agree now if, and, and, and most police police officers feel the same way that I do. We don't like bad police officers. If we see a bad police officer doing something that is shady or illegal or being a racist or doing racial profiling, all that stuff, we will weed them out. We do our best to, to get rid of those people because we don't want that stain on our badge. And that is just, that's the facts. That's the truth. So it's not like we, we, you know, they have the media will, will draw this picture that we're all together on this, a big conspiracy that we're going to go out and we're going to uh, take over the black communities and the 
brown communities and the Asian community. None of that is true. We don't do that. Matter of fact, look at the 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 equity we have in our or not the equity. I don't like to use that word because that's a that's not equal. Okay, that equity is so we'll get to that on another podcast as well. But when you look at the diversity of our police departments across this country, you'll see that it is it's pretty close to what our diversity is as a nation. So I think when you take all the information we talked about these last couple episodes, I think it's clear that this is not a systemically racist nation. And in particular, we do not have a systemically racist law enforcement agency or agencies across this, this country. So in my mind, I, I think it's pretty obvious what's going on. I think that the left, the democratic leaders are using this rhetoric to do nothing more than to divide us further as a nation. All right, I think this is a good spot to go ahead and wrap this episode up. Hey, listen, if you haven't uh, haven't had a chance to listen to the first two episodes um, of this podcast, I have, uh, you've got Insurrection and also the uh, part one of, of Defunding the Police. Take a listen and tell me what you think. And thank you for clicking on. And be sure to look for the next episode of America As I See It. I'm Scott Fuller, and I'm a proud American. And you all have a good evening. I'm signing off. Mm-hmm.